Okay, so as a pilot, it's really, really important that uh, we, it's all about the hours and the hours that you gain and the hour, every flight hour and every flight um, hour that you fly is really important for you to move on to the next step, then move on to the next step in your career. And with that in mind, I decided to be a pilot in Bethel, Alaska. So I went out to Bethel and um, within two hours after landing, I landed a job. And um, there were about 140 pilots working the line out there. And um, when I got hired, uh, I doubled the amount of female pilots from one to two. <laughs> so now there were two of us. There was Kathy and myself. At first, I was on a very short leash. And my chief pilot gave me the smallest airplane that they could. It was a little Cessna 172. Had four seats. And um, I plied the river up and down the Kuskokwim, carrying mail and passengers and cargo. And I would go from eat to Tuntatuliak, to Kongiganak, to Quingilingak, to Atbathluk, to Kastigluk, to Akichuk, up and down the river. And I knew that I could not compete with these guys. I had to prove myself all the time to all these male pilots. And they were all looking at me, just waiting for me to fail. And I wasn't going to. So after a few weeks of flying up and down the Kuskokwim, I would hear in the background in our dispatcher's office the HF radio start crackling. And they would say, send lady pilot. She's nice. She smells good. She's smooth. <laughs> so I became the smooth lady pilot, and I got lots of jobs. <laughs> One day, my uh, chief pilot came up to me, and he said, yo, Jamie, you got to pick up up in Queethluck. Um, there are three guys. You need to go pick them up out there. I said, okay, no problem. And I uh, grabbed the, the manifest. And since it was my, one of my last uh, gigs for the day, I uh, went out and I walked out to the airplane. And I noticed that in the distance, there were these gathering storm clouds. And they were getting really low. And they were getting darker and darker. And the wind was really picking up. It was starting to blow my hair around, my ponytail. And I, I got a little worried, but I was... There was no way. I was, this was only 12 miles to Queethluck. I could get there and back, be back in a half an hour. And so I taxied out and got takeoff clearance and started, um, and I got to about 500 feet, and I knew I had made an egregious error in judgment. The airplane started rocking back and forth, and sheets of rain started coming across the windscreen. In fact, the seals around the windscreen were so poor that the wind and the rain started coming in and leaking in through the window, and I was, my face was getting wet. So I made it to Queethluck in this storm, and I landed splash, splash, splash down this rutted, muddy runway, and mud was coming up over the windscreen, over the wings, and the runway was only 35 feet wide. The wingspan of the aircraft was actually hanging over, was over the width of the runway. So I taxied in, and I went to our little turnout, and I shut down the airplane, and I um, noticed the three guys over there standing in the shelter. And I said, I got out and I said, come on, hurry up. We've got to get back to Bethel. Hurry up, get in the airplane. And all three of them just stood there, just stunned, didn't say one word. And one of them was actually smoking a cigarette and has his um, jaw dropped open. The cigarette that was dangling from his lips dropped into the mud. <laughs> I didn't need this. I just need to get back to Bethel. 
So they finally got into the airplane, and um, they buckled themselves in. The guy buckled himself next to me, two in the back, and the passenger next to me. And I hit the key, and I taxied out and made my radio call for takeoff. And I took off into this darkening gloom. And so I got the automated weather for Bethel, and they said, Bethel Airport closed to all VFR traffic. Please contact Bethel Tower on 118.7. Do not enter the class Delta airspace. Oh, awesome. So at that point in time, I started to smell a little bit of an odor next to me. And I noticed that I took a little sniff and um, realized the guy next to me had been drinking. And so I had a few choices here. I could continue on to Bethel, or I could turn back to Queethlick and let these guys off, and I would never live that down. So I um, made a call to Bethel Tower, and they said, yeah, we need you to hold outside the Bethel airspace, and we'll call you when, um, when uh, we can get you in. I said, okay, no problem. There's three airplanes holding already. You can join them in the fourth one. So pretty soon I found the holding pattern with the other airplanes, and pretty soon three other airplanes joined us, and there were seven of us all together. We were going in a circular racetrack pattern about 500 feet off the deck, and we were trying to keep our planes steady in the rain, but I had a really heavy load with three big guys, and I was in a real small airplane. And we were trying to keep the aircraft in front of us in sight. We were following the red beacon of each of us of the other aircraft. And as we went round and round, the guy next to me started to get a little bored. And he put his arm around the back of my shoulders and started squeezing me. I elbowed him in the ribs and kept flying. And then he put his hand on my leg and started rubbing my thigh. And I was like, he was interfering with the rudders. I wasn't getting, I was, I was kind of getting a little mad at this point. And it was a little bit of craziness inside the airplane, too, because Bethel Tower was talking to us, and all seven pilots were going air-to-air frequency. And we were all trying to follow this airplane in front of us, and the wind was blowing like crazy. Finally, he put his hand over mine on the throttle, and I'd had it. I was so mad. And so I always kept my leather gloves between my knees. And so I reached down with my right hand, and I eased my right hand into my right leather glove, and I put it on as tight as I could. And I balled up my fist, and his friends in the back were screaming at him to leave him alone. And with all my anger, I took my fist, and I yelled out a real bad expletive. And I said, ugh! Take that, leave me alone. And his head ricocheted off the window. And he screamed and he held in pain as he held his out as he held his eye. And all I could do was just keep on flying because that's the most important thing is the safety of flight. <laughs> About 20 minutes later, they called us, they um the tower contacted us and we could um, told us that we could land. And so all seven of us landed in a train, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one after the other. And I taxied in to our terminal and uh, let those three guys out. And I decided to take a little bit of a few minutes out at the airplane because, well, I'm sure that, um, that punching a passenger is probably a firing offense. <laughs> so I wanted to get fired out on the ramp rather than inside in front of all my coworkers. So um, I waited out there for a little while, tied down the airplane, and um, nobody came out. And so I went inside and um, went in through the door and the two dispatchers were behind the counter and kind of looked at me, one of them kind of looks at me up and down, didn't say a word, neither of them said anything, and one of them kind of raised his eyebrows. 
A few minutes later, my chief pilot comes in. He said, yo, Jamie, how'd it go? I'm like, um, fine, fine. He's like, everything okay? I'm like, awesome, it's great. He's like, okay, good to hear it, and walked off. So the next morning, dawn bright and early, beautiful day, first flight of the day. I'm going to go out and pre-flight the airplane. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. And as I'm walking past the, um, past the hangar, I noticed a figure crouched on the ground, sitting on the ground with his back pressed against the hangar. And he had his, um, he had his head on his knees like this. And as I walked by him, he could hear my footsteps. And he looked up, and my eyes met his one good right eye <laughs> because his left eye was black and purple and swollen shut. He didn't say anything. Um, he, well, actually, he did, um, but it's not repeatable. So um, anyway, um, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>